Coming up this hour, we're going to learn from a U.S. Surgeon General, an ER doctor, and an astronaut all about the coronavirus. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian. You can find us on Facebook. That's The Common Good Radio Show. That's where we post all of our articles if you want to engage in any of the content there. Plus, you can send us messages if you have suggestions or ideas or thoughts that you want to share. We would love to interact with you there. You can also find us at 1160hope.com slash the common good. Plus, wherever it is you get podcasts, if you are a podcaster, first and foremost, thank you so much. Secondly, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, rating, and reviewing, it takes just a couple of seconds and all that does, it really does help us out. And if you wouldn't mind sharing it maybe with a friend, we know a lot of people are looking for podcast suggestions and whatnot. And we really, really do appreciate that very much. And I'm curious, co-host Brian Fromm. Yes, I'm here. Yes. How are, how are you feeling about everything? It's so weird. You know, my wife and I, it was a beautiful day yesterday. So the kids were playing outside on the trampoline and we pulled out like the lawn chairs and we were sitting in the sun to the point that actually sunburned, which was an odd thing. Really? But, uh, we had this conversation where it was like, we were talking about what you and I are about to talk about, about the Surgeon General literally saying this week could be our Pearl Harbor and stuff like that. Like, this is going to be the worst week in terms of our country uh, around COVID-19 and then this whole coronavirus pandemic. But yet we were talking about like, you know, we don't know anybody sick. So this like feels really normal. Like I don't feel Mm. knock on wood. Like I hope this doesn't, I hope I don't look back at this and regret saying this, but like, I don't feel in danger. Like Mm. it's become normal for us to be in our house. We had like a good day yesterday and it's just a really weird juxtaposition to be like, right. Like to watch the news uh, and see them very accurately be like, this is going to be such a bad week for this. And at the same time, not feel it, feel like some distance from it, which I'm thankful for. But it's just a weird, I think you know what I mean, right? It's just like a weird uh, dichotomy right now. Yeah, it, it probably isn't totally dissimilar from segments we've done where we talk about the persecuted church overseas That's in true. countries much more dangerous than here, where on one hand, you can read these like really intense, often heartbreaking stories. And you think, man, that is devastating and yet none of that reflects my reality and there some there can sometimes right. be like a head heart disconnect as well and i yeah that is that is hard to navigate it is interesting um i'm not going to get into it here but i we yeah i had a really uh rough weekend not corona related but um experiencing the loss of a friend mm. at all has been interesting because that has affected much of my processing in other areas of life, which I think is normal. Um, but it yeah. has certainly shifted. It's, it's informing a little bit how I'm reading the news right now. Um, mm. You know, we talk about, we were talking about this over the weekend too, that the U S cases top 300,000 and we're talking about how rapidly things are advancing in certain areas. Um, we talk about the number of deaths now of more than 9,000, um, which Globally is at sixty five thousand. So for nine thousand to be here is pretty staggering, I think. But then again, a lot of this, I've been looking at statistics so much. Some of it starts yeah. to all kind of blur together. And you and you mentioned a little bit earlier. I want you to actually hear it from his mouth. So uh, Dr. Jerome Adams, the U.S. Surgeon General, uh, said a, a couple of things that you had already mentioned, Brian. But I want you to hear them from him. And then Brian, I want to get some of your reaction. 
reactions to what he's saying. So this is Dr. Jerome Adams, U.S. Surgeon General. It's tragically fitting that we're talking at the beginning of Holy Week because this is going to be the hardest and the saddest week of most Americans' lives, quite frankly. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment, only it's not going to be localized. It's going to be happening all over the country. And I want America to understand that. But I also want them to understand that the public along with the state and the federal government, have the power to change the trajectory of this epidemic. Okay, so now you've already kind of weighed in, but um, how, how did you feel hearing that for the first time in light of what you were just saying? Like, oh, we had a good Sunday. You know, we were having a decent weekend with the family, and then you hear something that intense from somebody in that kind of position. Does that rattle you at all, or, or is it still kind of hard to, to feel like it really hits close? to home for you yet a little bit of both i think it does stagger me a little bit like the numbers you don't ever want to become numb to the numbers right uh, like you said nine ten thousand people dead like that's just if you had said that six months ago that we were going to face something with that much uh fatality in our country you'd be like that is unimaginable and it still is in many ways unimaginable right and so to hear him say like the in his opinion the worst is ahead of us uh, is really sobering and scary. It's, it is, um, it does kind of, I guess what it does for me is when I hear it, it does shake me out of the malaise of like, well, we're all home. Like that the worst part of this is not that we're home. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's that people are getting sick and people are dying and that I can at this moment, you know, be thankful that that's not touched really close to my family. Yeah. Um, but that it could, And uh, I do think to hear him say things like that and to read articles, it does shake me up out of that malaise of going, oh, man, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of bored at home or, man, I wish I could watch a basketball game right now or something. And it reminds me of just kind of this behemoth that we're up against here that's a really big deal. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we know it's a big deal, but sometimes maybe our emotions don't always connect specifically to what our brains are processing, which is an odd, and I mentioned this quote before, you know, I, I did a devotional this morning about fear. It was in Psalm 27 and Barbara Brown Taylor said, um, we do not lose control of our lives. What we lose is the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. Oh, interesting. And I just thought that was really fascinating that like, that seems to be the thing a lot of people are worried about. And, you know, in this Psalm in Psalm 27, David is saying, you know, of whom should I be afraid? And I'm reading that thinking, uh, how about Saul or foreign armies or <laughs> traitors in your own military? Like the real question yeah. is like, whom should you not be afraid? But it was sort of this like reminder that his ultimate safety and security is in Christ. Like he, yeah. there's a, there's a perseverance even that he has enabled because of that. Like I heard someone give the example of like, like flying on an airplane, like an airline guarantees your protection during travel to a destination. Once you bought your ticket, board the plane and buckle their seatbelt, they've assumed responsibility for your safety, right? But there are a thousand yeah. things that could happen during your flight. Like you could spill coffee in your lap or get a paper cut or hurt yourself trying to fit in the bathroom, right? But <laughs> those, threat, those threats are like nothing compared to being completely safe, 30,000 feet in the air, traveling 2,000 miles an hour. Sure. And, and I think that that's like a picture of what David was sort of latching onto. So when we read numbers like, you know, 300,000 or we... Like you said, even, you know, if, if, and when God forbid it, it like hits closer to home, we know ultimately though, like our security and destination is way bigger 
and way more profound than any of the stuff we're going to read in the news. Mm. And that doesn't make the fear and anxiety of the moment go away, but it certainly is like a, I don't know. I'm finding that like a helpful thing to remember. Like, where do I ultimately put my rest and yeah. trust like that? That's a thing that I want to kind of keep reminding. Yeah. Myself. And it's also a great reminder if you're out there and you're starting to think like, well, maybe we can loosen these restrictions a little bit. Maybe I can start to bend the rules a little bit. Maybe I can, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal. Realize that it's uh, the only thing that's helping is that, you know, we've f- hopefully starting to flatten that curve. And hopefully by doing these things, not going to church and staying in our homes and all of these things is making a difference. That's why it becomes so infuriating to hear people who aren't. Um, right. But but keep pressing in and allow these uh, things from the Surgeon General, from the President, from Dr. Fauci, from others, uh, allow it to sober you, but, but use it as a reminder uh, to keep doing what you're doing, hopefully, to keep listening to the medical professionals and the authorities, because that's our best bet here uh, to kind of keep this uh, as manageable as humanly possible. Amen, man. That's that's really well said. Well, coming up next, a uh, friend of the show is Lena Abujamra, who is a uh, local ER doctor and founder of Living with Power Ministries, uh, has some words of wisdom and insight for, I think, all of us. Uh, in the midst of this particular cultural moment that we're all experiencing together. So that's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Prom. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. There you will see our Photoshopped faces. Mm-hmm. No human being's teeth are actually that white. Not, <laughs> my, mine certainly are not. not no, my Corona brushing has not been as diligent as it should be. That's probably TMI. Anyway, that was, that was a lot of information right there. Too much. It wasn't a lot of information. It was just not the right information. It was information that no one else needs to know. I shower infrequently. I don't really brush my teeth. Just for the record, that was Brian Fromm's voice speaking in that second half, trying to one up me, I think. Um, but that's uh, on Facebook. That's the common good radio show. 1160 hope.com slash the common good. Plus wherever it is, you get your podcasts. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, rating, and reviewing, that does help us out a whole lot. Also, sharing it helps a lot because uh, we know a lot of people are looking for suggestions and whatnot, and we would love to hear from you. You can engage with us in a number of different ways, mainly the Facebook page. If there are segments or interviews or angles or ideas or topics, uh, we would love to hear from you because we want this show to serve you all well. One of the things that we've been really uh, excited about is getting perspectives from other local people, and not even just local people, just people that we think are thoughtful leaders uh, or pastors or thinkers. And uh, I'm really, really excited to have uh, Lena share because she's been on the show a couple of times. Let me just read yeah. you her bio. She's a um, pediatric ER doctor and founder of Living With Power Ministries. Her deepest desire is to help people live with power by connecting biblical answers to everyday life. How timely is that, by the way? She uses yeah. the same skills serving patients in the ER as she does helping people build their faith and manage critical decisions. So, you can understand why I would be so excited to hear her perspective because I just think she's so uniquely wired and placed to have all sorts of wisdom right now. And we've mentioned before on the show, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. And so uh, I'm really excited for you all to hear just a couple of minutes of wisdom from Lena and then uh, Brian and I will respond. Hey there, my name is Lena Abijamra. I am a pediatric emergency room doctor, but two years ago I left the ER to work in telemedicine 
And one of the unexpected surprises of this switch has been this COVID crisis. As the coronavirus started taking root in our culture, uh, I found myself at the forefront of this battle. And so many of the patients who normally would go to their doctors and to urgent care have sought help via telemedicine in order to avoid exposing themselves to others. And so being a person who has been practicing this for months, I have found myself in a perfect position to administer not just medical care, but the hope of Christ to people who are afraid and hurting. And uh, one of my main jobs is to screen people in order to know whether they should be in the emergency room or stay home in order to protect loved ones. And I have absolutely been astounded at God's peace in confusing times, at God's light in in a dark season. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your fear angle is, maybe you're overwhelmed by the financial pressures of the season, or maybe you are just scared that you might get the disease. Maybe you have some underlying medical conditions or you're a little older and you're fearful that you might be a perfect candidate for the perfect storm with the COVID crisis. Let me remind you that Jesus sat in a boat in the middle of the storm and nothing could move him. In fact, when he woke up from his sleep, he shot the storm up with a blink of his eye, uh, with a flick of his finger. And that is the Jesus we serve. He is a God who is uh, confident in crisis. He is powerful in the middle of tribulation, and he gives us peace in the storm. Uh, And that is the God we serve. And so if you're going through a time of uncertainty and fear, let me encourage you to spend some time in Romans 8. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And we know that no matter uh, the pressures that we face, uh, we are powerful and victorious because of the risen Christ in us. And so as a doctor, I'm encouraging you today to remember who you are in Christ and to remember that though you might have medical expertise and though you might have access to medical care or not, listen, at the end of the day, Jesus is the great physician. He's our healer. He's our guide. We need to be on our knees praying, asking him to heal us of this uh, disease that we've been facing and to give us the strength that we need to make it to the other side. The good news is that in it, God is transforming us to become people of stronger faith And people who are hopeful. Someone recently asked me, what's your favorite passage of scripture? And my mind went to Psalms 27, verses 13 and 14. It reads like this. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Listen, friends, you just wait. You're going to see God deliver us through this crisis. We're going to come out on the other side. And by his grace, we're going to come out stronger. I hope that's your prayer, too. Okay, so having heard it now, Brian, what did uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, first of all, uh, if you're not following Lena on Facebook or Twitter, um, you we're all trying to find voices that we can trust, you know, in the news or the medical, whatever. There's so yeah. much information out there, and you probably would agree with this. I have found Lena somebody to be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, watching all of she's she's doing lots of videos, uh, just helping me and all of us understand what's going on medically around us. Um, and she's so impressive. Um, the couple times we've had her on the show and, uh, to be one of the people who's, who's at the front lines of this fight right now, but yet to be able to say, I'm astounded at God's peace in the dark season is pretty crazy. Cause it's, it's quite frankly, crazy for any of us to be able to say that, but it's really crazy in my mind for somebody who's working in an ER right now. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say that from my bedroom. It's another thing to be in the ER, uh, at the front lines, but to say, I'm astounded at God's peace in a dark season. Like that's mm-hmm. some firsthand, 
um, account that I find really encouraging and pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm always struck too, by the example of Jesus sleeping in the boat. Like I love, I love that that details included. It's like when, when everyone else in the boat is freaking out, Jesus is taking a nap and he still does perform the miracle, but like prior to the request, He's, he's taking a nap. I Crazy. just think that's remarkable. I also love that you mentioned Psalm 27 because that, that was the psalm that I did the devotional on this morning. And mm. I, I ended the same way that she references these two verses, 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's coming at the end of a psalm that yeah. began with David saying, you know, ultimately, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Like there's just a, a really beautiful correlation between, yes, fear is real. Yes, anxiety is real. Yes, there are some scary realities right now, but God is transforming us in the midst of this. John Ferguson talked yesterday about our, our suffering, if we let it, will transform us. He talked about how, you know, for anyone who's ever trained for a race before, like a marathon, that's pain, that's suffering, yeah. but you go through through that suffering so you can be transformed into someone who can run a race. He said, we, we endure suffering that we choose way better than suffering that we don't choose. And his kind of plea, and I think a lot of Lena's wisdom here is like, see Jesus in this moment. Remember who you are in Jesus. Let, let this form you in the midst of everything that's happening. I just think yes. that's really, really timely wisdom. Yeah. And for somebody in the medical field to again, remind us that Jesus is the great physician yeah, is, right. is so comforting because like I said, if you watch Lena's video, she's very honest about what she sees going on right now and what she thinks is going to happen. Like it's, yes. she doesn't sugarcoat anything. Right. Uh, and so knowing that and her talking about God's peace, but then also her acknowledging ultimately a physician saying Jesus is the great physician. Right. Uh, carries great weight to it. So I'm really thankful for Lena. Hopefully we can have her on again and again, <laughs> yep. um, but just really thankful for, for all that she does. And if you want to learn more, you can go to livingwithpower.org. That's livingwithpower.org. And uh, I honestly, I couldn't encourage you enough a year ago, but particularly now in these strange times, I think Lena's is one voice that I'm personally so grateful for find her on Facebook. Like she's an incredible source of not just insight, but also like pastoral biblical wisdom. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but I need more and more of that kind of presence in my life. So really right. grateful for you, Lena, you go to livingwithpower.org and learn more and can't encourage you enough to do so. Coming up next out of the gospel coalition uh, from Sammy Rhodes, Jesus is here in sickness and in health. That's coming up next here on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian James Fromm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see if I, if I could do it without you noticing. How, no, how, how, much, how much do you just sort of like glaze over when I'm doing the intro? Is that is that a thing? Uh, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, this is a Christian radio show. You can't lie on a Christian radio I would radio. never glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a moment where like I throw you a curveball and I don't do the intro I normally do and I like give you a question? Are you ever like, wait, what? What? Hi. Yeah, yeah. There's been those moments or where you just kind of zone out and then you're like, oh, wait, I don't know what he just said. I know he's going to ask me a question out of this. Like, you know, right, right. It's just every or, now you and then. Com- 
Or you completely blank on the website that you said seven thousand times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's real strange. I've, I've, uh, I don't know why I do this. I don't have it like written in front of me anymore. No, me I'm, like, So confident. And if I ever have like a just a brain fart moment, which happens more frequently than I care to admit, mm-hmm. um, you'll hear us <laughs> kind of stammer and stutter a little bit. And that's the reality of the common good. We're just real people here. And uh, if you want to find us, you can go to Facebook. The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, and wherever it is you get podcasts. I wanted to share this article out of the Gospel Coalition, Jesus is Here in Sickness and in Health. But before I do that, I want to talk about Thriving Financial a little bit. Two reasons. First, just check them out in general, thriving.com. If you're uh, interested in becoming wise with money or growing in your wise with money journey, I can't think of an organization that's better suited to do that. They're a Fortune 500 non-for-profit. They've been around for a century. But if you're listening and you're considering a career change of some kind, you're entrepreneurial, you want to be your own boss, you like helping people, I want to encourage you to go to thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers. Or just call 630-598-2128 and tell them that Ian from The Common Good sent you. <laughs> okay, I survived it. Here we go. So the article is Jesus is Here in sickness and in health. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it starts to say, it starts by saying to say it's been an interesting or a strange few weeks is like saying the sky is blue, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all just keep going. It's been strange. This is by Sammy Rhodes, by the way, at the gospel coalition. And ultimately this, uh, this article is trying to get at that question that so many of us are either wrestling with ourselves or helping other people wrestle with, or probably both of those, uh, it says this, where is Jesus in all of this? And, and I think that that is such an important question for us to acknowledge that we wrestle with. Like when you, uh, you know, when you've got CNN on and it's telling you about 10,000 deaths in the country and, you know, almost 75,000 deaths worldwide from the COVID-19. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got the, the Surgeon General saying this is going to be our Pearl Harbor coming up this week. It is a, it is a question I would think um, – everybody will wrestle with is where's Jesus in all of this. And so that's kind of the point of the article. Where is Jesus? And let me give you his two answers. And then uh, you can kind of give your feedback on it. He says, first, uh, when we ask, where's Jesus in all this? He says, first, he's weeping. His heart is not numb to the brokenness of the world. Far from it. Our hearts with all their calluses, scabs, and self-protective measures might be numb right now, but the heart of Jesus, which knew no sin, save that which he experienced from others, breaks all the more for sickness and loss and pain and death, Hmm. not despite his holiness, but because of it, all is not well because all is not yet set right. And so he goes on to talk about John chapter 11 at at the death of Lazarus and Jesus weeping. Uh, So that's his first answer to where is Jesus in all of this? He says, Jesus is weeping. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I think that idea as a theological construct is more important to grapple with now than it's been in a while. I, I think yeah. to remember that Jesus knowing full well, what he was going to do in the life of Lazarus, he still weeps. He still enters into the pain of broken humanity. And I, I think, I, I think it's still true. I think it's something that is, is hard to wrap our brains around, especially if you were handed a tradition where God is sort of this like stoic, never let him see a sweat kind of God, like a, right. a, a weeping Messiah doesn't like fit in that caricature well at all. 
But the fact that we are given multiple depictions of a Jesus whose heart breaks when he sees brokenness, when he sees loss, or when he see, when he sees grief, like I think, I I'm, I mean maybe this maybe this is overreaching. I think that means that our grief is holy to God. That if yeah. Jesus wept when his friends were in pain, that means when we do it, it it isn't something that we have to like hide from God. Like the invitation to weep isn't just like God's somewhere. Like all right, I'll, I'll allow it for a season. Yeah. My yeah. humans are being babies. He's like, no, no, no. We're given a glimpse in a picture of a God who actually weeps at heartache and pain and suffering and uncertainty yeah. and grief. And I don't know. That's a thing that I, I feel like is easy to forget, right? Absolutely. But Absolutely. I, I think that I think that's really good. Why don't you get into a second one? Yep. His second one, when he asks, where is Jesus in all of this? He says he's weeping, but second, he's also working. What Jesus is doing remains to be seen. It seems he's breaking our illusion of control and reminding us how deeply we need each other. We've seen this so beautifully in the videos of foreign neighbors hanging from balconies to make music together. We've always needed each other, but now we know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. We will not make it through this by ourselves. We were made for Mm -hmm. a community that goes well beyond niceties uh, and water cooler small talk. Uh, For those tempted to tie our worth to our work, perhaps he's offering us a forced rest, a strange sabbatical. The reset button of our lives has been pushed. How might our complicated relationship with work and rest look different as we come back online? Uh, And so I'll stop there for a second. What do you think about? So Jesus, he says, is weeping, uh, but he's also at work. He's also doing something in the midst of this brokenness. Uh, What do you think about that? I think that's so important to remember too, because it does feel like, a lot of the sentiment I hear, uh, I think from well-meaning Christians even is like, okay, we're going to hunker down and wait this out yeah. until we can get back to work. And I'm like, okay, so if Jesus, if I believe Jesus is at work in this, that means that we also have a work to do as Jesus followers, as Christ followers. So I, it is a harder reality, I think, to grapple with when you're in the eye of the storm, you know, yeah. like if you're the one who feels like the bottom just dropped out or you don't know which way is up or you've lost track of the days, it can be a hard thing to believe that Jesus is working in the midst of this. But I don't know. Like I, I, I think that it's still really important to grapple with that. I, I think we actually read this poem too that he mentioned yes. by Lynn Unger. I'm going to read it again just because I yeah, think it's go so good. It. it says, what if you thought of it as the Jews consider Sabbath the most sacred of time? Cease from travel cease from buying and selling, give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life, center down. And he says, this is the author writing, because God is at work, we can indeed center down. So that like call to both retreat a bit, right? To hit pause, to allow this to be a season for us to, and he also mentions Keller's Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, which is, I would highly recommend that book. Right. I just think he strikes a good balance because the the poem actually ends this way. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better or for worse in sickness and in health so long as we shall live. Hmm. I think... That is such like a beautiful pastoral invitation. Yeah, I really like this article. It's really helpful. You can find it up at our Facebook page. Uh, He does end the article by saying, basically, uh, people who are weeping, don't argue with them, weep with them. 
Yes, and, right. Uh, I think that's such a great call, uh, not to explain people's pain away. Right. There's lots of pain right now. Uh, but to sit in that pain, like we see in the book of Job, I think is a, is a great last call. So Sammy Rhodes, camp, campus minister with Reform University Fellowship, it says, uh, at the University of South Carolina, a really strong article. We'd encourage you to go find it at our Facebook page. He's also an incredible follow on Twitter. If you're looking, is he? Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, he's he's also exceptionally funny. Like, I don't you wouldn't necessarily get it from this article, but he he's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Absolutely, awesome. I will take a look at it. Well, coming up next, uh, Chris Hadfield explains how astronauts cope with self-isolation. I want to learn a little bit from the perspective of an astronaut. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us. You can find us. You can find us. See, it really, it's different. I should, I should try uh, different emphasis on different syllables. That might, that might really change things. That's, that's, that's the shift this show needs. There it it's is. Us just, just reading sentences weird. I guess we already kind of do that. Anywho, I digress. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. Also on Twitter, at Common Good Talk. I guess we're on Instagram now. Is that right? I think that. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that's also at Common Good Talk. These are all things I should be checking ahead of time, but you go there and tell us if it's actually active or not. Yeah, I think we're playing uh, we have some audio files posted there. You can also find our podcast. And if you are a podcaster, number one, thanks for listening. Number two, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, rating, and reviewing, that really, really does help us out. It'd be like an early birthday present to Brian for you to yep. subscribe, rate, review, and then share with a friend. And I mentioned it a little earlier, um, but I saw this really interesting video from Chris Hadfield, who's an astronaut, explaining how astronauts cope with self-isolation. So for a lot of us, you know, this is a, this is a first. We've never had to self-isolate. We don't have any real rubric or experience in anything close to this realm. And so I thought his perspective was absolutely fascinating. So we're going to listen to a couple minutes from him and then Brian and I will respond. I think the life of self-isolation is sort of now a little appetizer for everybody who's doing it of what the life of an astronaut is actually like. You wake up, you spend your entire day and you go to bed all within the confines of the same walls. That's not normal for most people. There is a prevalent surrounding danger and a threat to your existence. That's not normal. People normally don't feel that way. The people that you are with are not about to change. They are who they are. And and you need to build a crew from those people. So maybe shift your own perception. Stop thinking of yourself as someone who is cooped up and trapped at home with people you wouldn't normally spend time with. And instead say, I have a crew, I have a spaceship, I have a we have a common purpose and a common enemy, and we need to adjust what's happening to emerge out of this victorious. And that's how we work on a spaceship. We do well as human beings with, with a pattern. Uh, and, and so give yourself that. On a spaceship, you've got mission control telling you what to do every, down to five minute increments. Start breaking your day up into chunks. You know, okay, from nine to 11, I'm gonna do this. I've got to do this from 12 till one. I've got to do this at 7 a.m., whatever. And uh, you come in at the end of the day with a little bit of self pride. And I think that helps. Don't try and just import an unsuitable pattern into a different set of circumstances and expect it to work like normal. You, you have to make some adjustments. Most of the adjustments start with yourself 
And that's true for spaceship crews as well. Some crews do not naturally get along. They're not people that would normally be friends, but they find a way to, to fly one of the most dangerous vehicles in the world, dock with a space station, and stay there for six months and be productive. We ban some uh, types of fish on the space station because it stinks so bad and nobody else can hide from, from the smell. So think about your own actions, but also allow other people to have their own room. You've got to get through this together. There is a very clear common purpose to this, and that is to not let the rapid onset of COVID overwhelm our medical system. And I think having that sense of purpose is really important in order to maintain your psychological well-being. How do you stay productive and psychologically healthy uh, in amongst a great disruption and kind of a, a feeling of, of derailed helplessness? And, and I think it's important to focus on that, that common purpose for being there. You need to uh, find a way to just accept this new normal and, and, and find a way to stay healthy during it. On a spaceship, we exercise two hours a day and, and you don't go outside to exercise. You know, you just use equipment in there. You don't need to go to a gym to stay in shape. Just do some jumping jacks while you're watching a Netflix. You know, if you do jumping jacks for 30 minutes, that'll be good for your heart and your bones. Just do 15 push-ups before every shower or or just pick up some, pick up two cans of beans and just push them up above your head, you know, while you're sitting there relaxing. When you come back to Earth at the end of this particular mission, you want to have a healthy, strong body. Uh, you don't want to emerge from your hibernation cave looking more like a polar bear than you ought to. People have been talking a lot about Mars and, and you know, should we settle Mars? And what's it going to be like for the first astronauts on Mars? Everybody's getting a little taste right now just how isolated it would be to be part of that crew that lands on Mars. You might want to rethink whether you want to be that first Martian astronaut or not. Have a look at that habitat. Think about the reality of it based on your recent experience and then maybe maybe decide if you want to be uh, the first person on Mars or not. All right, Brian. So being an avid lover of astronauts, what, what did you think of that? <laughs> I, you know what? I never thought I'd be like, hey, we, we get to hear from an astronaut. That's awesome. Right. right. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting because I don't give much thought to the isolation like an, say an astronaut has to deal with. But that mm. whole thing about being patterned and breaking your day up into chunks and following a scheduled routine, I think is so good because, you know, taking it to what we're all going through right now, it can become real easy to get kind of kind of lazy, a little bit of sloth, you know, stay in your uh, your sweatpants longer than you should. And uh, this whole concept <laughs> of, uh, you know, getting into patterns, breaking your day into chunks, following a routine, uh, I think is really important. I think that's really important. And that probably leads to greater productivity uh, and kind of probably greater energy, I would think. Do you, do you uh, find that you're like deeply in need of patterns and rhythms right now? Have you like fallen into some helpful regularity or no? It, this one will sound really random. Like I do, like if I'm going to try to put in like a, a good work day upstairs or something, there's, I'm not going to be with anybody. So there's no reason to necessarily do this, but doing like I did, like taking a shower and getting like getting dressed, getting ready and then coming upstairs. I've actually found really helpful, like signals to myself, the day's starting. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that's been helpful taking breaks to go downstairs and talk with the fam and, do some stuff, but uh, trying to be a little more disciplined. How about yourself? Are, are, do you, are you finding some patterns that are helpful for you? 
Yeah, even, and I've mentioned it before, like the daily prayer app has helped me a lot, even making uh, really simple rules for myself, like scripture before phone. Um, mm. That stuff has been, I mean, honestly, more of a game changer than I thought it would be. Like, it sounds really small. Like, I'm doing okay at staying on top of fitness. I'm doing okay, you know, right. eating well and going outside when we can. But uh, little tiny tweaks like that have actually been way more formative than I thought they would be. And I like what he was saying too about like, give other people grace because we're all, we mentioned on the show last week or two weeks ago, like to some degree, we're all kind of grieving and right. no one's really behaving the way they normally would when they're experiencing grief. Even if they haven't lost anyone necessarily, we're, we're still like grieving a loss of normal. So like his perspective, not only on how to survive it yourself, but also like give people space, which I wonder if that was an astronaut joke, but like he, there's a, there's a, a real significance to making sure that we're extending grace because this is, and we've used the word before for a lot of us unprecedented and yep. our behaviors might look a lot different than what we're used to getting from that person. And I just think, uh, I think it's really important that we give grace to one another in the midst of all this. Absolutely. And so I think this is helpful from an astronaut, uh, <laughs> Uh, giving grace to the people around you and also getting some regiment into your day. I found this really helpful. I think I'll probably incorporate some more of this into my life here. hundred percent. I totally agree. Well, coming up next, uh, it is the start of Holy Week. So I wanted to share some poetry, talk a little bit about Palm Sunday and Holy Monday in light of everything else we're experiencing right now. So that's what's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope you're alive. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkin here, and I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and Thriving Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously, and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about Holy Week, and we're going to learn from Mark Job and John Blumberg about how they're navigating this pandemic. This is The Common Good. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. Also, wherever it is you get your podcasts, if you uh, are a podcaster, thank you so much. If you wouldn't mind liking, nope, not liking. I mean, you could like it. Just yeah. like it. Just, just experience the feeling of affection for the podcast. And then once you're done with that, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, all of that does really help us out. Brian, can they ask Alexa about the show? Or <laughs> You're in the house. I'm assuming so. <laughs> what would it take for you just to walk out of your rear room right now to go ask Alexa? It there... would not take much. I just, you know what I find myself, and this is, this is an <laughs> awful excuse. 
I always leave here going, all right, I'm going to do it. And then I'm just like really forgetful. Like in my old age, I'm just getting really forgetful. And the next time I think about it is when you go, uh, when we get on the show and you go, can I ask? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this has been going on for m- six months? more than two months. Six months? <laughs> There's no way it's been going on six months. I guess four. Okay. That's, I, that's more than I was going to say, but maybe you're right. Okay. Okay. So before we dive into, uh, I wanted to talk Holy Week. I wanted to share some poetry, mm-hmm. uh, but you wanted to share a little bit about something that the station is doing that I think is really, really cool. Yeah, me too, because during the coronavirus pandemic, we do know that so many businesses have had to close their doors or reduce their hours, but we also know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. Yeah. Uh, And so here's what we want to do. If you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. It's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for for business. Go there, fill out the brief form, and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. It's totally free, no catch. Uh, So do that today. Go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. Really well done, Brian Fromm. Thank Um, you. Okay, so before we talk about Palm Sunday and Holy Monday, which I'm really curious your thoughts on the observance of those days in light of everything that's happening right now. But I I found this poem. So it was written by Kathleen O'Mara in 1869 after the Irish famine. And then it was reprinted during the 1919 Spanish flu pandemic. So just keep in mind, it was written in 1869, reprinted in 1919. And here's what it said. It says, and people stayed at home, (laughs) read books and listened and they rested and did exercises, and made art, and played, and learned new ways of being, and stopped and listened more deeply. Someone meditated, someone prayed, someone met their shadow, and people began to think differently, and people healed. In the absence of people who lived in ignorant ways, dangerous, meaningless, and heartless, the earth also began to heal. And when the danger ended, and people found themselves They grieved for the dead and they made new choices and dreamed of new visions and created new ways of living and completely healed the earth just as they were healed. What do you think of that? That's so powerful. And like you said, somewhat timeless. Like uh, when the first line or two was like, they stayed home. You're like, well, there we go. Like, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) It it translates. And, you know, there's sometimes where we're just like, well, we're in the middle of it now. So it's hard to have those thoughts of what will come out of it, but it does paint a cool picture of like how you can redeem this time. Right. Right. Like they read and they did this and did that. And also what could happen coming out of it, you know, grieving for those that have been lost. Uh, Like we, uh, we keep talking about even um, you hear so often, like we, we say when we go back to normal, but then we always have, everyone I know has started caveating, caveating that with like whatever normal is now. Yeah. Uh, like we're going to be a changed people and uh, we're going to be a changed church. We're going to be a changed nation. Um, and so beginning the process that I think is kind of what that poem's getting at. I think it's a powerful thought. I think it all hinges to right there when she says, and they made new choices. I, I think that's inevitable. We're going to be making new choices. And I think my prayer is that we make prayerful ones that you're right. We're in the midst of it right now. And there's no way for us to really predict how we're going to look both collectively and as a planet. And uh, I think that's a really, really important thing to wrestle with. I also want to talk Holy Week a little bit. 
I don't know if you guys typically celebrate Palm Sunday at your church, but Jonathan Merritt wrote a really fascinating article uh, in Christianity Today about Palm Sunday. The, the headline is Palm Sunday and the Gift of Disillusionment. What's going on here? Yeah, it's just getting at, you know, we do celebrate Palm Sunday. I preached the Palm Sunday message yesterday. Um, and I think it is a reminder that the Palm Sunday story is a really strange one. It's just yeah, a right. really strange story that uh, there are people who are doing what is actually accurate, right? Declaring Jesus as king. But to most people watching that processional, it would have just been comical. Right. And, uh, and there's this dichotomy going on. Jesus is weeping and uh, he's riding in, uh, you know, Luke 19, he's, he's riding in to lay down his life. It's just a, it's a really strange uh, it's, it's a strange juxtaposition. And so I think merit is getting at a little bit, uh, the Palm Sunday gift of disillusionment. He says, uh, the people who celebrated Jesus on Palm Sunday were either the same people who wanted him crucified, or they were the disillusioned ones that within a week, you know, he's, he's being hung on a cross going, you know, well, I guess we got that wrong. I guess we got that wrong. And I, I think it's this, um, this understanding that disappointment and disillusionment is, is part of our lives and part of our faith. Even Um, Merritt writes here, disappointment is an unavoidable part of being human. The experience Mm. is psychological, physiological, not just emotional. Uh, I I do think sometimes we just jump to Easter, right? In Holy week. And we, we lose what that whole journey must have been like. And for those that were crying out, Hosanna, discouragement, disappointment, disillusionment are a really great way to sum it up. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's interesting too, the fact that they were waving palm branches. Some scholars assert that, you know, that was sort of hearkening back to Judas Maccabeus, who was like this, their previous sort of military leader, in fact, I think the palm branch was even on the coinage he printed. His nickname was the hammer. Mm. And there's some really good scholarly speculation that by waving those branches, what a lot of them were declaring was finally Jesus is our new yes. like military king. And part of the reason I think that he's like weeping over the city, he's like, and they still don't get it, right? They're still, you know, m- missing the greater arc of what I what I'm trying to do, which brings, you know, the next day into such sharp contrast even because now he's flipping tables, right? Now he's, he's clearing the temple, not just simply, not because people are there selling at all, but because at the core of it, they're exploiting people and Mm. they're especially in a place like the temple for that to be happening. um, Exploiting those in poverty, uh, those who had traveled a great distance, they set up shop in the court of Gentiles, which, you know, made it impossible for it to be a place of prayer because of all the hustle and bustle. Like there's, it's, it's just such a fascinating journey to me to see him weeping over the city and then not coming in on a stallion, but a donkey, right? And by and large, the crowd sort of missing the point of what Jesus came to do. And then the next day, he's flipping over tables and he's cracking whips. And I think to me, there's such a, a reminder of like, not just the humanness of Jesus, but also the stuff that really stirs his affections, like Mm -hmm. brings him to crying and it brings him to anger. He's not this sort of like stoic, cold, never let him see a sweat rabbi. He's someone who feels the full breath of emotions. And I think we're probably feeling a lot of that right now. There's a lot of people grieving and a lot of people angry and everything in between. And like remembering this Holy week, maybe even praying 
God, help me to see the real Jesus, not just the depictions that I've made up in my head, you know? Yeah, it is a really strange Holy Week. Like in some ways, it feels like we all need it. Like this is perfect timing. And in some ways, it's really hard to remember, oh, it's Easter this week, right? <laughs> like it's just right. this, uh, what's going on. And and I think this article's great. Uh, it's in classic Jonathan Merritt. It's pretty long. It's up on our Facebook page. You can read it. Uh, but he says, what we experience as disappointment is an invitation to give up holding tight to what we hope is true, to stop trying to cast God in our image, to let God be who God is, not who we wish God would be. And that's mm. a really, that's a lifelong journey that's really difficult. And it comes with some disappointment and some disillusionment. But I think it's, uh, it is it is vastly important that we wrestle with that. Yeah, 100%. Well, coming up next, I'm really, really excited about this interview with Dr. Mark Job, who is both the president of Moody Bible Institute and the lead and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. We're going to pick his brain a little bit about how do you lead in the midst of a pandemic. And uh, it's an interview I think you're going to want to catch. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, and that's where we post all of our articles. We have a whole lot of discussion going on there. You can send us a message with ideas or suggestions. You can also find us at 1160hope.com slash The Common Good or wherever it is you get podcasts. If you are a podcaster, thanks for doing that. And if you wouldn't mind, subscribing, rating, and reviewing does really help us out a whole lot, but we are absolutely thrilled to have on the show right now, Dr. Mark Job. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, it's great to be on the show with both of you. Not my first time, but great to be on with you. That's Thank true. You. you are, dare I say, a friend of the show. And I'm <laughs> wondering, could you just introduce yourself uh, to our audience, however you see fit? Yeah, so I'm Mark Job from the Chicagoland area, and I, I know both uh, Ian and Brian from the church planting world, where I've pastored New Life Community Church, a multi-site church with 28 locations around Chicago. And 14 months ago, I stepped into a new role as uh, the president of Moody Bible Institute, which is also downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, I want to start as a pastor here. What has just this been like for you over the last month as all of us have had to retreat to our homes and start doing virtually? How has the whole pastoring been for you? Well, you know, it's been interesting because my son, who's 26 and uh, has taken on a lot of leadership responsibilities, he said, Dad, have you been through a crisis like this before? Mm. And I said, I have not been through a crisis exactly like this, but it does not feel unfamiliar Mm. uh, because I pastored through 9-11 and I remember the turmoil, the uncertainty, the fear, uh, pastored through the financial crisis of 2008 where, you know, people were committing suicide, losing their jobs. And of course, I've been in the inner city of Chicago in some very violent neighborhoods where... There was a lot of fear. So I haven't pastored quite like this. What's unusual about this crisis is its global nature, um, but also the fact that at other times uh, in crisis, you're drawing people together, Mm. uh, telling them to come to the faith community, come to a prayer meeting, hugging them, praying over people. 
Yeah. And because of social distancing, this has a different feel to it because our, our natural inclination is come together, but we actually have to stay uh, virtually apart. Right. So you have this, uh, this event, Faith in Crisis, I see with... Uh, yeah, coming Pastor up tonight. Me- Pastor Meeks, Ed Stetzer, you, Mark Job, Charlie Day. I mean, those are some heavy hitters there. Can you give us just a little taste of what, of what that's going to look like? Yeah, so uh, uh, James Meeks, who's a pastor in the south, uh, south side of Chicago, he just invited me. And th- this is uh, just some faith leaders from around the Chicago land area talking about, hey, our faith is in the midst of a ma- major crisis. And right. so how are we as faith leaders navigating our way through this crisis? So it should be fun dialogue with these all these guys that come from a bit of a, of a different perspective, but nonetheless, we're all in the same crisis together. Hmm. That's great. And now your other role as the president of, of Moody Bible Institute, this is uh, your, you know, you've been on that job for very long. So how are you navigating that? What, it has, been, what has it been like to be the president of Moody uh, when you had to shut the school down and make all of these really hard decisions as all of this unfolded? Yeah, you know, we had a couple immediate emergencies, like a couple of our teams. We had to get a group back from Africa that was wow. uh, 13 students that were in Uganda. And uh, the borders were closing down. The airports were closing down. And we got all of the students back except for five international students. Wow. And the, the, the U.S. was not letting them in. And so we got three of them back. And finally, we got the last two back as well. But they could have spent a month in Africa. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a, uh, a lot of quick decisions, a lot of decisions for the health of our students. Of course, Moody's in downtown Chicago. We had to clear out all the dorms except for international students that couldn't leave anywhere uh, we immediately put a task force team together that started to meet every morning, nine o'clock. A lot of decisions early on about the health of the students and uh, what this could look like listening to CDC. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, the, the other side is also Moody has a, uh, a presence in people's homes like you do via radio. Mm-hmm. And so it also presented a great opportunity to minister to people. Right. Uh, we, were, we were about to jump into our share, which is a big fundraiser for mm-hmm. um, our radio station, and we, we canceled it. We said, we're not going to do this. Our first priority is ministry. We'll do that later on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of decisions that you have. You have to decide what's important at this time. The truth of it yeah. is that all our lives have been interrupted. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control uh, how we respond to what happens to right. us. So, okay, I'm, I'm really curious because you have this role as a pastor and also this role as a president. And I know uh, in this particularly strange cultural moment, a lot of people, leaders in particular, are really scrambling and maybe not scrambling as much now as they were a week or two ago to lead well, like what uh, advice or insight would you give to someone who has really any level of influence? So how do you, how do you lead well uh, in a season like this one? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, first of all, I, I think we're privileged to lead in crisis. Hmm. Uh, there are crisis doesn't 
make leaders, but it does reveal what leader, what we're made of as leaders. That's good. And um, it's a privilege to lead in crisis. Look down through history and the times that people remember leadership the most is not during times of peace, calm. Those are negligible leadership moments. Hmm. It's in the midst of crisis that we remember leaders that step up to the plate and keep their head calm, stay on mission, but lead with courage. And so I'm actually, I'm not thankful that uh, people are dying and getting sick. And I have people in our own congregation that are sick right now. And I've known at least one person that's passed away because of directly related to this illness. Um, But I am thankful that we get to, that I get to lead through crisis. Hmm. And um, because I I do believe the greatest opportunities are in the midst of crisis. And I also feel like, Lord, you've entrusted us to lead at this difficult time. So you will empower us to lead at this uh, difficult time as well. And uh, I would encourage leaders um, that are listening. It's challenging for everybody. Um, I would, uh, first of all, pray for clarity. But what I've been telling our leaders, both at Moody and at the church, is that at the other end of this, when, when things have calmed down, when life has gone back to its new normal, mm-hmm. as you look back at this crisis, what are you going to wish you would have done or mm-hmm. not done or done more of? Um, I think at the end of this crisis, in the church world, both of you are, are pastors, I think there will be people at the end of this that will be more connected to the church that will be saying, I'm so glad I'm a part of this church. I felt loved marginal people, people that are in the margins of the church are going to say, wow, that church really reached out to us. I really need a community of faith and other churches that don't respond as well, that maybe sort of hibernate and hide and cluster and Mm -hmm. haven't figured out how to reach out to people. I think that, You'll have at the other end people less engaged in the church, people yeah. that will say, hey, I lived three months without it. The church was barely there. Hmm. So um, I think you're going to see the results of it at, at when, when all this is calmed down. It's true. Mark, like the last minute we have left, uh, speak pastorally, if you would, to people out there who are just scared. They feel real uneasy. They don't know what they should be thinking right now. Could you provide some encouragement and some hope for people out there who might be feeling that way? Yeah, I'd love to. And I've been doing a lot about a lot of that recently. Mm -hmm. And I've just been reminding people primarily, Hey, this has caught us by surprise, but God is not at all. He has not at all been caught by surprise by this. God is sovereign. God has a purpose and a plan in this And it's very difficult for you to be able to have the right mindset of looking for opportunities and looking to see what God is doing in the midst of a crisis if you're gripped by fear, anxiety. Because really what happens during fear and anxiety is we tend to get more selfish Mm -hmm. and and we get into self-preservation mode. And I'm not advocating for violating the standards and going and hug sick people. I want us to keep all the standards uh, follow all the health guide uh, rules that are out there. But I also believe that there's a lot of vulnerable people around us that are that need a phone call, that need groceries delivered to their doorsteps, that, 
there, there's a lot of hurting and vulnerable people in society right now. It's created a lot of ministry opportunities and spiritual conversations, but we have to be in the right mindset to say, okay, I'm not gripped by fear. God is in control. We are the people of hope for goodness Mm -hmm. sakes, and we (laughs) shine brightest during times of crisis. Absolutely. Well, that's been Dr. Mark Job, the president of Moody Bible Institute and lead and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today, sir. Thank you, Mark. Absolutely. Thank you for what you do. Absolutely. Appreciate you very much. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, and wherever it is you get your podcasts. And one of the things that I've been thrilled that we've been able to do is just to ask people locally, nationally, who we think have a ton of wisdom, have a lot of insight to just record some audio for us to share with our common good audience. And I, I just have loved the rich diversity of perspectives yeah. and experiences and the good friend of the show, a good personal friend, John Blumberg. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's a national speaker. He's a thought leader on integrity and the author of four books, including his most recent return on integrity, the individual's journey to the one essential thing. He also is leading what's called a circle of integrity event at the Morton Arboretum. Uh, he's just a good friend. He's someone that I think has a ton of wisdom. You can learn more at BlumbergROI.com. That's BlumbergROI.com. Can't encourage you enough to head there just because I think he is one of the voices that I so appreciate. And he recorded some audio for us. So let's take a listen to that. And then Brian and I will respond. Hello, Ian. Hello, Brian. I hope both you guys are doing well and most importantly, staying well. Wow, we are certainly walking through some uncharted territory with each passing day, aren't we? And while I fully understand how we are immersed in a complete season of uncertainty, I would also say that we are walking on holy ground. I think individually and collectively, we don't want to waste this valuable moment. And I realize that in the midst of a flood of uncertainty, that it's easy to be overwhelmed, to be fearful and in some cases to have a great amount of anxiety. But I would say if we're being really honest with ourselves, all that fear and anxiousness is about what we can't control. And many of us like to be in control, or at least we blindly embrace our illusion of being in control. And in cases like this, our illusion is ripped away. In so many ways, This season that we're in can be like a living lab to test us on just how deeply grounded we are to our core. About the time I was beginning to write the leadership version of my book, Return on Integrity, I had the opportunity to meet up with Jerry Porras, who's the co-author with Jim Collins of the best-selling book, Built to Last. Our discussion naturally moved to a discussion about core values, and I knew that Jerry and Jim had addressed organizational values in their book, yet I wondered if they had given much focus to personal values. Jerry quickly responded that they hadn't, and then he paused and said, I think you're on to something. Our conversation continued a bit before Jerry added, you know, we truly understand our core values when we're put to the test. Yet until then, they are really not much more than a concept. 
I followed up pretty quickly and I said, I agree. And yet I fully believe that the moment of the test is a really horrible time to start figuring them out. And he smiled and said, I think you're on to something. Now, looking back on that conversation years later, I think my response was at best only half right. I still believe that the moment of the test, whether it's a change or a challenge or a confrontation, or you're in a crunch or a crisis, or yes, a coronavirus, it's a horrible time to start figuring them out. Yes, I, yet I also believe this. If you haven't already figured them out by the moment of the test, it is the perfect time and the perfect context in which to start. In a time of crisis, the very layers that fog the vision of our core values, those layers being our needs and our wants and our, be, our compliant behaviors, they are ripped away in so many cases. And in effect, that leaves our values standing there wide open, fully um, exposed, or as I'd like to say, growing up in the South, butt naked. And in my work on integrity, I've discovered how hard it is for individuals to really dig beyond their needs and their wants and their behaviors to discover their real core values. Yet, there are a handful of times in our life that the circumstances of our life till that soil for our digging. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but the truth is, I believe this pandemic is a gift to our core. Last Saturday, I was participating in a reflective group discussion following our virtual meditation prayer chapel. And there was an older woman on this Zoom gathering. She was like in her late 70s, and her voice was a bit frail, but her spirit was as strong as I've ever seen in anyone. And she had been quiet for most of the gathering before she finally spoke up. She shared that while she's been in her own quarantine, that she had been thinking about Sister Teresa of Avila, a woman of deep faith and considered to be one of the greatest mystics of the late 1500s. She shared that St. Teresa had been through her own devastating, uh, devastating plague and through that experience had offered her own great words of advice that were simply this, this is not going to turn out the way you want it to. While it may sound alarming, I will tell you as this older woman in her soft southern accent shared that, a breath of peace washed over me. You see, if you realize that this is not going to turn out the way you want it to, you quit trying to control it and you simply embrace it. Yet in our fear and in our anxiety, we just want to get back to normal, don't we? while not admitting that normal is an illusion to begin with. Last week, I was in the middle of a text chat with a bunch of Christian business owners, and you could feel the anxiety in the building quantity of texts that were going back and forth. I decided to chime in and try to offer some solace, but it must have felt too secular for a couple of the guys because one shot back a text, in all due respect, he said, I'm looking for the exact Bible verse that would be helpful in this situation. And I simply texted back, if you're looking for a verse, you might want to consider this one. Be still and know that I am God. You can find it in Psalm 46, I said. I finished the text by adding, in fact, it might do all of us good to read all of Psalm 46 
this week. He never texted back. Maybe he had just decided to be still. Ian, Brian, I think it would do all of us good to lean into this uncharted path with great stillness and silence with God. And if we do that, we may very well notice that lamp unto our feet. And in doing so, take the next simple step with great certainty. I pray that both you guys and all of your listeners be well and stay helpful and stay hopeful. All right, Brian. So having heard that now, what kind of stood out to you there? Oh, the I love when someone reads Psalm 46 about being still and knowing mm-hmm. that, that I'm God. And this call from John Blumberg there to sit still in silence with God, like, I'm not good with either stillness or silence. Hmm. And, uh, and so I really appreciate that call. I'm challenged by that call. And in this time of just great uncertainty, I think uh, that whole call to be still and know that I'm God is really powerful and really timely. He's also kind of echoing the Barbara Brown Taylor quote I read about this illusion of control, right? Um, I think, I think he's spot on actually. The book is all about this, but this is a really, really good time to get clear about your core values. Like when everything else is kind of shaken up, like to what you're saying about being still, you know, the idea that there's not really a normal necessarily that we're going back to. Also props for quoting from St. Teresa. I, I, <laughs> yes. I think that's, that's remarkable. But the, the idea though of like really, really like figuring out what our core values are. And I think, I think those things are crystallized like when we're in times of stress or when we're in times of fear. I think that's when all of those things really kind of bubble to the surface. Like here, here's what you actually value. Here's what you really core. And I I think for him to say, you know, this pandemic uh, to some degree is sort of a a gift for us to figure those things out. Like there's, there's a real opportunity and it's kind of, again, like what John Ferguson was saying on Sunday, like don't waste this season. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you think about it. I mean, honestly, like half of the New Testament was written by someone who was under house arrest, wasn't it? Like there's, yeah. you know, like there's, I'm not saying we need to, you know, achieve something to that degree, but there is something to be said about, man, if God could use house arrest in the life of the apostle Paul, he can most certainly use it in our life right here now. And uh, I'm just really grateful for John and his wisdom Absolutely. and all of what he says. So again, I would encourage you to check out Blumberg ROI. That stands for Return on Integrity. That's BlumbergROI.com to learn more. Thank you so much, John, for sharing your heart and wisdom with us. Well, coming up next, we're going to land the plane the way that we always do with a little bit of interweb insanity. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of peaked with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no 
strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. That wacky music can mean only one thing. It is the end of the show, and uh, I'm surprised that we're still doing this, but I think it might be helpful to have a... Have some laughs, as Brian Fromm says. Um, Have some laughs. (laughs) See, now when you said that to me, it sounded completely normal. (laughs) I'm going to start saying it with an accent, though, and see if you notice. Uh, Anyway. Have some lunch. Have some laughs. Yeah, why not? Have have some laughs. They're low in calories. If you uh, are new to the show or new to this segment, uh, our producers have selected some stories that we have not seen. We read them sight unseen. And uh, then there's some sound effects that we have not heard. And some of the stories are awful. Some of them are hilarious. And we just read them anyway because we are very trusting. But before we do that, real quick, Thriving Financial, two things. If you're looking for a financial organization that is like rooted in the tenets of Christianity, first off, you got to go to Thriving.com. It's an incredible Fortune 500 not-for-profit. They've been around 100 years, uh, more than 100 years. If you're looking for a career change, though, you want to be your own boss or you want to you know, use your entrepreneurial skills to come alongside other people in their wise with money journey. I want to encourage you to check out thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers, or just call 630-598-2128. I think that you'll be glad that you did. Yeah. All right, Brian from, why don't you kick us off with Interweb Insanity? North Carolina sure. a teacher writes uplifting messages to students with chalk. Nice. Uh, Lauren Collier teaches at Thomasville High School, is making sure her students feel supported. She's sending positive messages to her English class that they can see from their windows. She said, I got the idea from my son whose friend had a birthday and his mom had everyone come over and do it. Come over and chalk and say happy birthday. And I thought, hey, that's a great way to get in touch with my students. Uh, Lauren is working fast. She's chalking several students' driveways every day to get all of her students. She started Thursday, continued Saturday and Sunday. She said, I'm always afraid I'm going to spell something wrong. As an English teacher, that's not allowed. She signs every message with a heart. Are you crying? Am I crying? No, I'm not crying. You're crying. See, that was a heartwarming one. Yep. Yep. Next something, one, not so much, but, but you something get tells read. me it's about to get darker. Yeah. Yep. Out of Massachusetts, cashier sprayed in eyes with Lysol by customer mad about purchase limits. Huh. <laughs> Leaks in Massachusetts are searching for a woman who allegedly sprayed Lysol in the eyes of a cashier at Walmart after the woman was told there was a product limit on her purchase. Uh, the police said the incident happened on March 27th. The cashier told the woman there was a limit on the number of Lysol disinfectant cans that she could try to purchase. That's ironic. <laughs> then sprayed the cashier in the eyes with said Lysol, requiring a response from EMS. Several retail stores have purchase limits set on certain products amid the coronavirus outbreak. Now that took a dark turn pretty quick. It did. Let's see if we can do better here. Utah woman accidentally writes $21,000 check. Man thanks the Lord deposits money. Oh, no. (laughs) This is going to get bad. Hurricane police arrested a 67-year-old handyman Friday morning after he deposited a check accidentally written for $21,000 into his account. According to a police statement, the case began as an investigation involving a theft of $21,000. After hiring a handyman service to complete a concrete job in her yard, the victim stated that the man bid a price of $4,200 and that he said that he would need $2,100 at the time to purchase materials. 
The woman who hired the man admitted to mistakenly writing a check for $21,000 on the same day the man deposited the check into his account. According to the statement, the woman attempted to call him numerous times, but he would not return her calls. Uh, he did not return to the job site on the agreed upon day and has not completed the work for which he was contracted. Uh, home was placed under arrest on Friday and booked into the Washington County Correctional Facility. His bail was $10,000. You think, are you surprised you can get arrested for that? Uh, no comment. Okay. Lord, it's a miracle. Okay, we're going to run out of time. Let me do this quick. Out of England, uh, deer invade London neighborhood during COVID-19 lockdown. A large herd of deer have moved into a London neighborhood, taking advantage of streets being emptied by the coronavirus pandemic. Residents on lockdown in the Herald Hill subdivision said a herd of deer moved into the area and have been grazing and taking naps on their lawn. Singer-songwriter Billy Bragg tweeted photos of the deer wandering the empty streets and eating grass from lawns while residents remained inside their homes on lockdown. Oh, a deer! A female deer. All right, last one from our friends in Florida. Our fr- are they our friends? They are our friends. They, they're okay. the gift that keeps on giving. That's true. Florida County recommends one alligator of distance. That's a good picture here. That's funny. The CDC recommends people stay about six feet apart to avoid spreading the coronavirus. So how far is that? As Leon County, Florida puts it, it's the length of one alligator. The county put out a fun visual aid for uh, residents. They note it should be a large alligator. The distance is to avoid the spread of respiratory droplets from person to person. Other ways to remember the minimum length of social distancing, it's about the size of a sedan, a sofa, or for the metrically minded, about two meters. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. I like how pleasant you got there talking about the metrically minded. I like the metrically minded. I played bass and metrically minded. (laughs) You got to stop laughing at that joke. I'm just going to keep doing it. All the time. All know, the time. But it just encourages me, and then I can't stop. It's a sickness. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, if you're okay with it, then hopefully everyone else is too. Uh, never a dull moment here on the Common Good. I did just want to say that uh, we love you all. We're praying for you. If there, as always, is anything you'd like for us to talk about or tackle, you can head on over to our Facebook page, The Common Good Radio Show. Make a suggestion there. For Brian Fromm, I'm Ian Simpkins. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope you're like. 